It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Psy Tech Talk, taking the God story to a geeky place. Here's Michelle. Hey, thank you for joining me for Psy Tech Talk. Let there be light. It may be the single most important element in the universe. How can scientific insight into light give us advancement in technology and understanding light could also give us insight into the God story? What if we could light up evidence for God, the one whom the Bible calls the father of light? Today, we are going to turn the light on science and technology and even the God story. And I am not alone in my quest for illumination. Astrophysicist Jeff Zwierink is with us. And he's the author of Is There Life Out There? Escaping the Beginning. And he's a research scholar for Reasons to... And now, Reasons to Believe. Welcome, Mr. Jeff. It's good to see you. Well, Jeff, here we go. We are literally going to be lighting things up today. Defining light. We're going to start there. Just defining light. It's that thing that makes things visible. That's a simple definition. It's electromagnetic wavelengths. But light is actually really complex. And defining light is even more difficult than defining what a woman is and that's saying something in today's world. It, it is pretty fascinating because I, I just as I was thinking about and preparing for our conversation today, just realizing how pervasive light is. And it's this thing that it's like everybody knows, but when you try to define it, it's like, okay, what exactly is it? It is a little tricky, but it just strikes me as one of those things that is something we can readily get a grasp and a handle on, but something that we can't begin to plumb the depths of at some level. And it's just pretty fascinating when you think about what light is. So Right. It occurs over this huge wave range of wavelengths from mm-hmm. visible light, gamma rays, radio microwaves, X-rays, ultraviolet. And it's amazing how light is so pervasive and it's so complex, as you were saying. But Jeff, Let's go back in history for a moment. The first historical evidence of man trying to grasp what this light thing was Pythagoras back in 500 BC. Five, now we call it BCE. 500 years. That's within maybe 100 years or so of Noah's Ark. And he proposed that sight is caused by rays emanating from the eyes, striking objects, and light has perplexed us for as long as man can see the sunrise. Let's look at light through history. What we know about light is that it is an electromagnetic wave, and that's just a fancy way of saying that we can put a mathematical description around how light behaves and what it is. 
But the moment we start now trying to discuss it, we run into a lot of interesting things because there's a longstanding discussion of is light a particle or is it all because you, know, you talked about the different kinds of light okay. that we know about or electromagnetic radiation. You got microwave or radio waves, which are the longest radi radiation. If you want to know how big they are, go out and look at your car antenna. They're about a meter long. And that's because radio waves are about a meter long. And so that's why you make your antenna that size. And then you got microwaves and you'll never guess how long a microwave is. It's about this which is why your microwave is that size, because that's the size that fits in there. And then you get progressively smaller wavelengths. You get infrared visible, which is what we can see. That's hundreds of nanometers or on the order of a millionth of an inch long. You've got, then you got ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma ray, which are smaller than the human hair, smaller than the smallest subatomic particles. And so as we think about how we interact with this light sometimes with and this is one of the most bizarre things that scientists realize is that sometimes when we measure light it acts like a wave and sometimes when we measure light it acts like a particle i did gamma ray research gamma rays come in and hit the atmosphere and we count the gamma rays that come in they act like particles we detect a gamma ray particle but yet the same phenomena also behaves like a wave and so you try to ask is it a wave or is it a particle and the answer is Yes, it determines on it depends on how you measure it. Okay, really complex. And okay, today NASA is celebrating 10 years. It's a birthday, woohoo, of the nuclear spectroscopic telescope array. It's New Star and it studies high energy x-ray light in the universe from black holes to the radioactive remains of exploded stars right? Happy birthday. But my question is, it's been there for 10 years. In 10 more years still, it seems that the more we learn, the less we know. Would you agree with that? I, I would say it a little differently. The more we learn, the more we're aware of how little we knew. Okay. So it's not as the more we learn, obviously, we know more and more information yes. about how light works. But the more we do that, the more we realize, oh, I didn't even know there were these questions we could ask. That's, uh, so we know a whole lot more about light than Newton did when he was studying it <clears throat> hundreds of years ago. But now that we're beginning to probe, we know that it has all these different electromagnetic wavelengths. We know that it, sometimes it behaves like a particle, sometimes it behaves like a wave. We can do very fancy experiments where when you're looking at it, it acts like a particle. And when you don't look at it, it acts like a wave. But yet, so as we grow in our understanding, we realize, okay, we can push deeper. It's, it's inexhaustible. There's no limit to what we can learn about it. And the more we learn, the more we realize, oh, there are more things we didn't even know we could explore. All right. Maybe this is a crazy question, but are there waves of light that we've yet to discover, do you think? So if we're talking about electromagnetic radiation, we can characterize all of what's possible out there because all the only thing that distinguishes electric or gamma ray, radio waves from gamma rays is what is their wavelength of what is their wavelength and so gamma rays have really small wavelengths electric or uh, radio waves have really long wavelengths so they're all we can we know the range of what could be out there and then it's just a matter of can we devise instruments that allow us to detect them so our eyes are very good detectors of visible light. They're really lousy detectors of infrared light. They're lousy detectors of radio light. They're lousy detectors of x-rays and gamma rays, which turns out to be a good thing because x-rays and gamma rays are pretty damaging to human or to life itself. It's not like we're going to find a new kind of light 
But as we explore how can we do things with light, we will continue to find new things that we didn't even know were available or possible to learn about. As we talk about light today, we may learn some things that we didn't know that will just satiate that ever-growing need to fill our heads with cool knowledge. And we're going to even get to a deeper story, illuminating the God story. But just on this light journey that we're going on today, Jeff, light is essential in so many ways. Off the top of my head, photosynthesis, which is what plants use to take light and turn it into food or energy. And then we eat that plant and we consume that energy and we need light for growth we need light for sleep we need light light is used as a sanitizer temper temperature regulator what are some of the ways that light has benefited us that we may not have realized so you gave a good description of if you want to grow things you need light if you want to see things you need light if you want to transmit signals across throughout the earth's atmosphere you need light in the form of radio waves if you want to peer inside objects that are dense you need x-rays which are a form of but it's even really more fundamental than that a little bit of physics here that you need to know we have four different types of interactions you got the electromagnetic interaction which happens between charged particles you got gravity that's what keeps us here on the surface of the earth and then you've got two forces that operate inside the nucleus the strong and weak nuclear force Virtually every type of interaction, every aspect of how you live is governed by the electromagnetic interaction. And you'll never guess what particle governs the electromagnetic interaction. It's the photon or light. So when I clap my hands, the electrons in this hand hit the electrons in this hand. And the reason why they stop is because there are millions and trillions of photons being exchanged And this hand feels solid to this hand, and that's what makes a clap. Everything you do outside of gravity is governed by light. Wow. That's how fundamental it is. That's crazy. So maybe what we can do as we're taking on light today is just take a moment to talk about some of the latest news coming from this incredible thing called light. Jeff, as our science expert, just weigh in on some of these discoveries that I pulled up from the news today, for example. Now, one of the things that light is now able to do is possibly solve our pollution problem. There's landfills, filled with plastic waste. And now scientists believe that they can make plastic more degradable with UV light. That's a pretty amazing news story because we're drowning in our garbage. Uh, Another news story, light activated molecule, molecular machines may have antibacterial application. And what that means for those of you who are listening is that we have come in this age to the end, possibly, of antibiotics. We have antibiotic-resistant bugs. Now they think they could use light-activated molecular machines in lieu of those antiquated antibiotics. I think it's amazing, especially the crazy coincidence that this technology just happens to be rising at a time that our antibiotics are becoming less effective. That's another huge story. And then there's this story that we may be using light as if information technology grows, discovering photo 
photon photonics, which is technology that uses light to carry information, that's really growing as well. We're finding more and more ways to get information out to the mm-hmm. world. So these are some pretty extraordinary discoveries any thoughts on any of those or maybe new discoveries that i haven't even touched on no you're you've that's a cool list of discoveries right? and, and the list is much bigger than that i mean, talk about using photons or photonics using that to communicate information when you talk about fiber optics that's what you're doing you're taking these big long fibers that light can transmit down you're putting information the light waves and then sending the light down the waves there you can carry a bunch of information that way the idea you mentioned about the uv or light activated antibacterial stuff but that sort of technology if you ever go to the dentist and get a filling these days you're probably using a similar kind of technology because what they do is they take this stuff and they pack it in and then they shine uv light on it so it won't cure in normal atmospheric with light but the moment you put the uv light on it activates it and it causes it to solidify and become a filling you know one of my favorite demonstrations is i'll go somewhere and you can go to whatever your favorite hardware type store and you can pick up phosphorescent duct tape so this is duct tape that you shine a light on it and then turn the light off and it'll glow in the dark that's cool oh it is is absolutely cool so i take duct tape is awesome anyway but <laughs> I put this on a piece of wood and then I go out and I've got this really bright green laser and I've got this kind of piddly, very dim purple laser. And I say, all right, we're going to have a competition here. And I give somebody a green laser, this big bright laser. And I've got my piddly purple laser here I say, all right, write your initial on the sign over there. And they take the laser and they shine and they, nothing happens. And I take my piddly purple laser and I just put a Z up there and they're like, whoa, because <laughs> Light behaves in a certain way that the green light, even though it's so much brighter, does not have the energy it needs to activate the fluorescent molecules in the tape, whereas the purple laser does. And so there are just all sorts of cool, fascinating things that our ability to use it is really limited by how much money we want to invest in our ingenuity as humans to come about and say, oh, hey, can we do this a different way? I love you. We've been buddies for a long time, but we've been doing this. So you're going to take this in the right way. You are so freaking geeky. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that's geek fun on a whole new level. So I want to talk about how light is different from anything in the universe. This is where we're getting to the fundamentals of our subject today, this thing we all benefit from, life. How is it different from anything else in the universe? So light is one of those things that it just pervades the universe. And when you talk about different and the same, you have to talk about in what ways are we talking about? So we talked about the, I mentioned the four fundamental forces there, that light governs the electromagnetic force. One of the the, the things you ask what's different in those forces is that the nuclear forces, they only operate within the confines of the nucleus because the thing that me, the particle, like the photon that mediates the electromagnetic force, the particles that mediate the nuclear forces, they only can go over a certain range because they have mass. Because light has no mass, it can go across the universe. And so electromagnetic forces operate across the universe, which means that 
if I have a little bit of charge here in my hand and there's a little bit of charge on the other side of the universe, these two charges, though they may be separated by incredible distances, they're still going to either attract or repel depending on whether the same or different charges. So the electromagnetic force, because light can, has no mass to it, it can operate over the entire length of the universe. And that, that is just is really phenomenal when you think about it, that little things I do here affect the other side of the universe. Wow. And light is really the one absolute constant throughout the universe. It definitely is. Its speed is one of the constants. And again, as a, there's just so many things we can talk about regarding light. But we've talked a lot about general relativity in our past discussions here on this show. And when you ask the question, what is it that inspired Einstein to come up with general relativity? It was recognizing that light behaved differently than everything else. So the, the situation. So you're driving down the street. You've gotten a little bit of snow off the top of your car. You throw the snowball at about 10 miles an hour. Your car is going 40 miles an hour. When it hits the sign, how fast is the snowball going? Well, it's going the 10 miles an hour you threw it plus the 40 miles an hour of the car you were moving in. So it hits the sign with 50 miles an hour and it really rattles the sign. Or that's what I've heard, at least. Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> but now take a flashlight. Light moves at the speed of light. So you take this car. If you put your flashlight in a rocket so that it's moving close to the speed of light and you turn on the flashlight, if that same thing holds, well, the rocket's moving close to the speed of light. The light ought to move at the speed of light. So it ought to be moving twice the speed of light, right? Turns out, no, it doesn't. Whether your flashlight is not moving at all or it's moving close to the speed of light, the light that comes out moves at the speed of light and only the speed of light because that's the maximum velocity in our universe. And it was that recognition that particles moving a certain way and light moving a certain way. Einstein said, wait a second, that shouldn't be right. And that's that basic idea is what led him to develop general relativity is trying to reconcile those two things. So <laughs> that's a constant. That's something that, that you can count on. It never changes. Exactly. That's what it is. It's like no matter whether you're moving close to the speed of light or whether you're sitting still, the speed of light is always the speed of light. And everybody always measures the same vacuum speed of light. We can slow it down in the atmosphere and in wires and stuff like that. But that vacuum speed of light, that upper limit, it is a constant. Nothing can exceed that. Nothing will ever exceed that speed. And everybody always measures the exact same speed. So it is constant throughout the universe. So can you say that light is the same yesterday, today, and forever? That would be one way of saying it. Now, I tend to not put light in the same category as God. But, but yes, yeah, he's there is the this father kind of, of interesting. And Jesus is the light of the world. And that's why I want to talk about light and the Bible. Because light and the concept of light is pervasive throughout the entire scripture. And I want to talk about how God uses light. And there's two ways that we can look at this. One is that there's that spiritual aspect of light and spiritual illumination. Then there's the physical that we can look at with science of light. It, I want to look at maybe crossovers because the Bible does have some scientific truth to it. There, I'm going to give an example as you're watching. We know that in existence, everything that is birthed comes from four fundamental concepts, time, space, matter, energy, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and it's interesting to me that the Bible, in the very first sentence, in the beginning, time, God created energy, the heavens, space, the earth, matter. In his creation, God knew what he was doing, and we see those four fundamentals right at the beginning. And that's, to me, a, a wink at science, at, at science. God knew what he was doing. He knows the science. He knows what it took to create the universe. And so I want to look at those aspects of light, the spiritual aspect, the physical that we can look at with science, and if there's any crossover as we look about light in the Bible. That's a great question. And one of the things that I am fascinated by is that people look at God and they say, God, as as talked about by scripture, that God is one God in three persons. How can you have, isn't that a contradiction to be one in three? And Christians have thought a lot about this. And the way God is one is different than the way he's three. He's one in essence and three in persons. And so it's bizarre. There's nothing on earth. There's nothing in this universe that would say, oh yeah, that's the way a being can be. Except when we look at light, it's light is an electromagnetic wave, but the way it appears sometimes, and you need to be careful that you don't get into a heresy here, but but if I do a certain experiment, it shows up as a wave. And if I do a different experiment, it shows up as a particle. And so there's this particle and wave nature. Incidentally, that's not just about light. That's true of electrons and everything else as well, that everybody has a wave nature and a particle nature also. But we see, even in this creation, the same, a similar kind of mystery to what we see in the fundamental nature of God, that he's a triune God that seems contradictory, but it isn't, in the same way light seems contradictory, but it isn't. Oh, that's so cool. That is really cool. I can wrap my head around that. The light is something you can't touch, but yet it can slice me in half. It seems to contradict, and yet it doesn't. Exactly. And and what's fascinating, you made the comment about the more we learn, the more we don't know. And I said, the more we learn, the more we realize we didn't know. Oddly enough, as we do that looking at light, I find the same thing is true as we're looking at God. There's a lot that we know about God, that he's the creator of the universe, that he's all powerful, that he's holy, that he's good, he's just. We've learned all these things. But the more, you know, as we continue to probe and ask questions, and what does this mean? And how do we know? We've been studying God, if you will, at least since the New Testament for 2,000 years. And while we've got a lot of the big picture, there's no lack of things. It's like, how does this work? Or who is God? And how? we can continue to study and learn about God and never exhaust what there is. So in fact, the more we learn, the more we realize what we didn't know in the first place. And so, I, again, I see that parallel that the more we study light and this creation that God has given us, we haven't run out of interesting things to study, even though we understand it so much better now than we did hundreds of years ago. The same thing is true of God. We know so much more about God, but we haven't exhausted what there is to know about him. What do we know that the Bible says about light that fascinates you as a scientist? It's interesting because one of the first things God did after creation, in the beginning God created 
The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The first thing he did was to separate the light from the dark. As you mentioned, from the earliest chapters of Genesis throughout the end of Revelation, light plays that that metaphor just pervades scripture. I don't think we've got to be careful in how we talk about that. Whereas Bible says in the beginning, so that means I expect there to be a beginning. Bible says God is light. I don't mean that, I don't think that means that God's an electromagnetic wave. So we need to be careful this is true. what we're yes. talking about there. But, you know, we, we look at what light does. Light helps us see and understand and give us the truth. Things you can get away with things in the dark that you can't get away with in the light because it brings them to light and makes things visible. God asks us to come into the light and expose the deep, dark places of our soul because he already knows, but so that we are exposing them to him and allowing his light <coughs> to cleanse us. You talked about light being antibacterial and not that bacteria are bad, but it has this healing power and coming into God's light also has that healing power to it. I think there's a, just a lot of inspirational okay. things that we can learn about God by studying the way light behaves. Okay, so I'm going to get into the, in, I'm going to flirt with that line that we talked about of heresy, because I think of the scripture that says, in him we live and move and have our being. And light is part of our being. We are essentially light. And I'm, I wonder if there is where the scripture says that he holds all things together. And there's things that we don't know about how the universe is held together. But we do know that light is that pervasive thing that is in everything or it's everywhere. It affects everything. It's constant. And I wonder if there, I'm not saying that it is God, but I'm wondering if there's elements of God that, that holds this universe together and that there's what part light plays in revealing that God story. I, I was just sitting here and I'm like, wait a second, that's fascinating. So let me explore through my thoughts here as you're talking about that, you know, that God upholds creation and holds all things together. And the way I've, I've uh, in the past, I thought, okay, the laws of physics hold things together. And so God said, oh, here's laws of physics, boom, puts them on the universe and the universe operates. And as I've talked to my theologian friends, what I realized is that, uh, that Unless God upholds creation, it simply tumbles into non-existence. It's not like this universe is an independent thing. It relies on God's nature. It's God's of providential care to even remain in existence. So if that's true, the way God upholds creation probably reflects his character. And so in that sense, we see this regularity and order and consistency and harmony in creation, which is reflective of his character. So if God is upholding creation, it's not like there's these laws of physics that God said, oh, I'm going to use those and put them on. God upholds creation so reliably we can talk about things like the laws of physics. So light having this kind of enigmatic particle wave, electromagnetic nature is ultimately a reflection, I think, of God's character. Yeah, that's Which is really deep. cool. That's deep and really cool. And the one thing that you had touched on that maybe we can bring to our the, the climax of our conversation today is that extraordinary order and as we peel back the layers even of studying light there's more and more beauty and complexity consistency predictability that 
does not run well with a chaotic things just happened. It just happened. Something was created from nothing. Everything that's natural was it happened from nothing. And it just is essentially a bunch of light that happens to blah, 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 blah. And then we've got planets and we have thought and we have sight and we have it just it becomes more and more irrational to think of a world created without some super intelligent, ridiculously omnipotent being. And I think we have a word for that. It's, oh, God. I, I do find it, when you ask the question, you look at our universe, it does have this orderly, patterned, consistent, reliable. If it weren't that way, we wouldn't be having a discussion about science at all because science wouldn't happen. And then you ask the question, what is the best explanation for that? I mean, to the naturalist who's just arguing, hey, this creation is all there, or this physical world is all there is, you now have to ask the question, why is it so orderly and regular and patterned? And why do scientists keep looking and saying, yes, it looks like it's designed, we have to remember that it isn't. Well, to me, that just <laughs> finds a very natural resolution. You say, all right, there is a mind behind all this who created it all. It does have a purpose. It does have an order and regularity to it. And it's serving a function. And that, that naturally explains the bulk of what we see out there. And so whether... The naturalist can explain that or not. The idea that our universe looks designed finds a very comfortable home in a worldview where God is the creator of things. And I think that's one of the more powerful evidences for the God of the Bible, because what we see in creation matches exactly what we would expect if scripture is true. And that's the exciting part, because the implications are not just scientific or not just technology. The implications are in your life. If that biblical worldview measures out in science, you can believe that it will measure out in your life, in your belief system, in your marriage, with your children, with things that seem broken and heart-wrenching. Is there a God of the Bible? Is that consistent? Is that worldview real? Because if it is, my friend, that means that there is purpose to what's going on in your life, that God has a purpose and a plan for you, that your hopelessness can turn to hope and to victory. It is a never-ending box of boom, coolness, because God is, and he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Boom, that is the God story. If you want more on the scientific God story, I would encourage you to go to reasons.org where you can peruse great articles by Jeff and others. You can pick up books on any number of subjects that will fascinate you to know. And, and as I understand it, there is a matching gift if you want to be part of keeping the science going, the science and God story. There's a matching gift of a, a, up to $300,000 if you give during the month of June. And I want to encourage you to do that. You can also keep my Michelle live going. And this is where I need you, where the God story needs you. We need you to like this, share this, uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to My Michelle Live to help us grow that 
God's story. You can go to mymichellelive.com, purchase some of our cool merch and other things. You can even give to the show however you choose to do it. Let's continue to get that God story out because it is the message of hope. And I hope it's not too long before I get to hang out with you, my friend, Jeff. Thanks for joining me today. It's been a blast. And we'll catch you, my friend, next time with my Michelle. More SciTech Talk at MyMichelleLive.com. <laughs>